Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are coming off a rousing 39-32 victory over Kansas in which the offense delivered all game long and the OSU defense rose up and pitched a 26-minute shutout. Lots to talk about from the game in Stillwater and this week's game at West Virginia. But before we get to all things Cowboy football, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. Midfirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, and the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today with the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Jacko in Stillwater on Saturday. The star of the show clearly was tailback Ollie Gordon. He rushed for 168 yards, had six catches for 116 yards, and reminded us afterward that OSU is RBU, which is the modern version of tailback U, which became OSU's moniker after the Thunder, Thunder, the Thurman Thomas Barry Sanders days. They were thunderous. They were thunderous. Do the Cowboys have a star on their hands in Ollie Gordon? Well, it sure looks that way. I've been high on Ollie Gordon all season. Uh, I thought they should have given him the ball more early on when they were doing more of a three-man weave like they did with their quarterbacks. We saw a lot more Jaden Nixon. We saw a lot more um, Elijah Collins. And I think both of those guys are good, but I think Ollie Gordon is a star, Barry. I mean, he's a second-year guy who we saw some flashes out of a year ago. But we've definitely seen him evolve and now emerge as the Cowboys go to. Frankly, I thought it was silly that Mike Gundy was talking after the game about going with the hot hand. Ollie Gordon is your guy, and he got better as the game went on. He got seemingly stronger, um, you know, really uh, running away from defenders, that sort of stuff late in the game. He seemed to really be fueled by the amount of carries, had almost 30 carries, and then you mentioned those six receptions, Barry. So did not seem at all deterred by the amount of carries and and touches he was getting. So feed Ollie Gordon. That's what the Cowboys need to do. And clearly that's what Casey Dunn did uh, and finding ways to get him the ball, not only out of the backfield, in the pass game, get him in space. I think he's big time, Barry. Well, he certainly looks the part. He's playing great. I'm I'm reminded of a couple of our former colleagues, uh, John Helsley and Mike Baldwin. Great guys. We worked together with them for years and years and years. They were on the OSU beat together for at least a decade. And, uh, of course, Baldwin is quite the character. And about once a year, John Helsley would just look at all of us and say, what are we going to do with this guy? And sometimes I feel that's what, what we got to do with Gundy. We just got to look at him and say, what are we going to do with this guy? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Gordon, I'm not any kind of uh, talent evaluator. But I got eyeballs. You got eyeballs. All kinds of people have eyeballs. You watch Ollie Gordon play, you could tell he's a difference maker. Yeah. And this OSU season to this point has been has been split in half. Three games where they didn't look very good. Three games where they looked really good. Yeah. Um, turns out they lost the first game of the second part at Iowa State, but they played well. Iowa State's proven to be a pretty good team. Everything looks different. What's the difference in those three games? The quarterback three-man weave ended, and they said, hey, Ollie Gordon, you play tailback, and we're going to feed you. Three straight 100-yard games, 
He's clearly a difference maker. I think, I think maybe they do have a star on their hands. I really do. I think he's a Big 12, all Big 12 potential uh, this season. Um, beyond that, who knows? He's big. He's strong. He's elusive. Um, he turns it up when he needs to. And and some of those catches, Jacko, that, that fourth quarter screen pass. Yeah, one-handed. That's a huge play. One-handed. I mean, Alan Bowman had a nice game, but Alan throws that one a little high. Gordon just goes up there and gets it and turns it into a, a, a very uh, impactful, important game. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they do have a star on their hands in, in Ollie Gordon. Real quick, you said as much as Mike Gundy sometimes leads to consternation, he did say one thing that is exactly right about Ollie Gordon. He might have said other things that were right about him, but this one stood out. Ollie has Gordon gets upfield. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't dance around. He hits the hole and goes. He is patient when he needs to be. We saw him get tucked behind a blocker at one point on Saturday and really wait for that to, to evolve in the play. But he is not shy about getting upfield. And to me, you know, you add in good vision, good strength, good speed, you know, all of that together, I think really makes him a tough guy for, for defenses to handle. And, you know, the guy handing the ball to him hasn't been that bad either. Yeah, no, and, and before we leave, Gordon, one thing, Jaden Nixon got a little bit of run. Yeah. He was he was effective. I think he was four for 34 on carries, if I remember right, or maybe uh, at one point he was that. Oh, you, OSU offensive line playing better, doing well. Yeah. And, of course, part of the offensive re- renaissance is uh, the quarterback who's been handed the reins, Alan Bowman. He was rock solid against Kansas. Um, is is the this offensive uprising, was was this just the natural uh, result of picking a quarterback and the most veteran, uh, the best arm, those kinds of things, and saying, here, Alan Bowman, move us down the field? So I had a chance to talk to Bowman after his uh, uh, formal part of his uh, post-game availability on Saturday, and I was asking him actually about the change in this team uh, after their two losses. And he referenced something that we heard him reference actually after his first start, full start, full game at Iowa State. So I thought it was interesting. He had mentioned after the Iowa State game that he felt like as the, as the uh, team got more reps with him that it would get more comfortable. He said it again, you know, and that was something that happened during that bye week, Barry. He was the guy. He was the quarterback that got all the snaps in practice, then a full week before K-State, then another full week before Kansas. Remember, this guy is not – he's not been around this team. And we've seen – uh, you know, other there's been other times where uh, we've heard, uh, you know, coaches, Cowboys talk about the connection between receiver and quarterback. Sometimes it's been some of the most well-known connections that this uh, program's ever had, whether it's, you know, Whedon to Blackman or uh, Rudolph and Washington. Don't know if there's that guy on this team. Doesn't look like it as far as a go-to receiver. But the quarterback still has to develop that connection with his receivers. And it seems like they're starting to hit some rhythm, Barry. And I think, you know, I don't know if you could have handed the keys to Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel and got the same results because I think Bowman's a pretty darn good quarterback. But clearly there's been an advantage to just naming a guy and getting in some snaps out there. Yeah, and you know the uh, the Cowboy offense uh, was sort of stuck in neutral for those three games, and I don't know if if giving giving the job to Bowman instigated or giving the job to anyone 
instigated. But clearly, with Bowman, the offense has been moving uh, pretty dang good. So that's very that's very solid. Uh, you know, you mentioned you know they're not throwing it deep downfield a bunch, or going back to the back to uh, you know sort of a traditional air raid. But uh, that's effective, and that's fine. And with no stribbling, that might be what you have to do. But um, but no, it's been very good with Alan Bowman. Uh, gives this Cowboy offense a chance. You know, uh, coordinator, offensive coordinator Casey Dunn was on the fans' naughty list uh, through those three games. Uh, you think he's gotten back in the good graces? Three really good offensive games. Um, you think he's back in the good graces of Cowboy Nation? I'm, I think probably a little bit better, but I'm sure there's still some grumbles about kicking too many field goals. They kicked six, made five against Kansas State, uh, kicked uh, and made four against uh, Kansas. Uh, so, you know, not obviously perfect uh, offensively, haven't, uh, haven't capitalized on every possession the way I'm sure some people would like. But, you know, they don't have a superstar like a, a Justin Blackman or James Washington. Maybe the closest they had to that before Ollie Gordon's emergence, don't forget Ollie Gordon, uh, was was uh, Dejon Stribling, and now he's hurt and gone. So, uh, you know, not really having that type of caliber of player, I think that they've done well, Barry. And, yeah, you mentioned no – the thing – one of the things that really sort of surprised me about Bowman's time when they were doing the three-man weave was – he was throwing it down the field a ton, it, a bunch of long bombs. And, you know, the thing with this air raid of, you know, say the last go back a decade or 15 years ago, they'd beat teams with, you know, short stuff, screen passes, uh, short cross, uh, you know, bubble screens, stuff like that. We didn't see a lot of that when Bowman was, was sharing time. Now we're seeing it six yards, eight yards, 10 yards, and it's highly effective. So, I like what they're doing offensively. And um, frankly, after the halftime on Saturday, I like what they were doing defensively too. I mean, I know Nardo's been, uh, Brian Nardo, the new defensive coordinator, has been a little bit under the under the gun, but I think he got some fans by the way uh, they performed in the second half. What what did you like about the adjustments you saw out of Nardo <clears throat> in the defense? Well, with uh, after uh, 34 minutes, four minutes into the third quarter, Kansas had scored five touchdowns, all on long touchdown plays, 30 or 30 yards or longer. And I'm not talking about screen passes where a guy runs, breaks tackles, and turns it into a big play. Ball's thrown down the field. Um, so lots of coverage breakdowns. But also, Kansas was just out scheming the Cowboys. Two of the long touchdowns, the uh, the touchdown passes to, uh, to uh, Morgan Fairchild, not Morgan Fairchild, <laughs> Uh, Mason Fairchild, Mason Fairchild, Morgan hey, Fairchild. The Fairchild parents, they did that to themselves, naming him an M name. Morgan's going to come up in some people's it. minds regardless. You got it. And clearly Morgan Fairchild would be a split receiver and would not play tight end if uh, on the college football duty. But anyway, uh, great, great uh, play uh, formation construction by KU. They went with an unbalanced line and two split receivers to the right both on the line of scrimmage, which means the inside guy was ineligible to go out for a pass, and in fact, he didn't. But if you don't recognize that, you commit a defensive back to, to uh, guarding, to, to get, get opposite of him. So the Cowboys were shorthanded. On the other side, Fairchild lines up at what you think is left tackle, 
but he's actually the end, which makes him eligible for a pass. So he just runs down the field with nobody covering him. He does that twice. Touchdown, touchdown. Cowboys make the adjustment, um, play better in other areas. Um, some Colin Oliver adjustments by Brian Nardo. In those last 26 minutes, Cowboys pitch a shutout. Here's the last five possessions of the game. Turnover, turnover. Fourth down stop, fourth down stop. And then the uh, desperation, two plays, uh, 80 yards away. So doesn't really count. But um, great adjustments by Nardo. This time last year, he's he's uh, desi- designing defenses to stop Edinburgh and Slippery Rock. Now he's designing defenses to stop Kansas and Kansas State and Oklahoma and Central Florida, uh, Dana Holgerson and Gus Malzahn. Lots of good offensive minds coming up, but uh, he showed that he can sort of hang in there, adjust on the fly. I thought it was a strong adjustment for Brian Nardo. Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned Oliver, um, those fourth downs, he was on, in on both of those. I went back and looked at his defensive snaps in the second half, Barry. He had 24 defensive snaps to Colin Oliver and 16 of them he either started out lined up on the defensive line or moved up to be lined up on the defensive line. So he didn't play all the snaps on the line, but those two, he was moved up and it was a it was a strip sack that uh, was picked up by Kansas but not converted for a first down. And then there was a uh, a pass uh, deflection, a, a pass breakup at the line of scrimmage on the second fourth down that ended uh, the Jayhawks' uh, last really true possession. They had a chance to go down and, and try to tie the game. So um, great, great move there. But I think both you and I, Barry, are, are pretty uh, intent on the Kendall Daniels interception being the defensive play that turned the game. I, I mean, I thought it was a great play. Would, would, you, would you point to that one as the one that really kind of set the tone for the defense? Well, if I, uh, if I didn't point to it, uh, you would declare war and hit me in the head with a hammer. So absolutely, that's the biggest play. You've been raving about that play ever since Saturday night. And it was great. It was setting it up. I think it was 32-27, Cowboys. But the Jayhawks are driving again. They got a chance to take a 12-point lead, for crying out loud, yeah. uh, late third quarter. And Cowboys being in trouble if they give up a score there. And to that point, Kansas has been scoring, 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 scoring. So um, it's it's they're about the 30-yard line of OSU. Jason Bean throws the fade pattern. And there's Kendall Daniels. Yeah, steps right in front of the uh, the receiver. I thought Daniels made a, you know, it was great. You could see he was he was watching Bean the whole way. There was no uh, there was no trying to guard his man and not look back. I mean, he was watching Bean the entire time, like he knew what was coming. Cowboys had uh, six guys on the line of scrimmage blitzing, uh, coming at Bean, and they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't get to Bean. They didn't touch Bean. The pocket held, but. You got to think he felt like I got to get rid of this ball and he let it go. I don't necessarily knew if he had a, a great sense of, you know, Kendall Daniels standing out there, Barry, I, Kendall Daniels is a third year guy. I think Cowboy fans need to relish every Kendall Daniels snap and play the rest of the season because he looks NFL ready to me. Um, he was a guy that had some growing pains his first year, really came into his own a year ago. And now just his combination of size and speed and strength and ability. Barry, he looks like an NFL player in college football, just the way he presents himself. He looks like an NFL guy. And now he's starting to make plays like one. 
I mean, I think these are the final games of the Cowboy for Kendall Daniels. I think he goes pro after this year. I've been really impressed by him. Well, what I like the best about Kendall Daniels is his height. He's tall. He's like uh, the Illinois cheerleader who comes to the 407 7th MASH and uh, comes on to Hawkeye and says, you're tall. And uh, that's what I want to say when Kendall Daniels walks in. I want to say, you're tall. Most DBs are five foot nine, five foot ten, trying to guard six foot four receivers. It's a recipe for disaster. Kendall Daniels is six foot three, maybe six four. He's tall. He can handle that play. You know, it's 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 just a common play in football. Throw a fade to a tall receiver. Your odds are are pretty good. Not with Kendall Daniels back there. He's tall. He makes that play in the corner and uh, really reverse the. It was the biggest play of the game. It reversed the momentum. It gave the Cowboys some uh, some uh, fortification that, hey, we can stop these guys. Put put OSU on a path to victory. Yeah, I thought I thought that was the biggest play. And I think Kendall Daniels does look – he does look like an elite athlete. Uh, on a field of elite athletes, he does stand out. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah, we, t- we, we talk about the turning point in that game, but it just – there continues to be turning points in this season, Barry. I mean, let's not forget – about 10 or 12 days ago, I think you and I felt like Oklahoma State was heading into a Friday night game against Kansas State that seemed unwinnable the way Oklahoma State had played. And yet now here they sit, um, you know, winning their last two, four and two, uh, with a schedule that we thought before the year looked pretty easy. Now it looks easy again. Big 12 title game is not out of the question. Barry, the outlook has changed. What's the upside to this team right now in your mind? Well, the path is it's easy. Just win out and you're in Arlington. If Oklahoma State wins the rest of its games, it's in the Big 12 championship game. Now, Sooners come to Stillwater. Uh, that won't be easy. But if OSU should happen to win Bedlam, win out, worst they can do is a three-way tie with OU in Texas. And Cowboys would, would uh, uh, win the tiebreaker. They'd be the number one seed. They'd be wearing uh, orange or black in Arlington. So, um uh, that's a long way down the road, but at least it's possible, right? I mean, yeah. uh, three weeks ago, we thought this team's going to go four and eight. Instead, they turned it around, done a nice job. And the schedule outside of Bedlam is very easy, incredibly easy. Going into the season, we thought this is a very easy schedule. It's gotten even easier. Central Florida, Houston, Brigham Young, and Cincinnati, the four newcomers to the Big 12. They have combined for one victory in conference against a legacy Big 12 team, and that was on Houston's Hail Mary the other night. It's the only way they've won a game against a a Big 12 member uh, that they joined. Cowboys get all four of those schools down the stretch. After West Virginia, they get Cincinnati, uh, OU, Central Florida, Houston, Brigham Young. The schedule is made for success. The Cowboys could finish really strong. And, and, you know, it's, it's just weird to think about how we looked at that same schedule before the Cowboys rallied and, and won these last two games, because, you know, yeah, th- those newbies, they hadn't done much to that point either, but you're like, oh, I don't know, BYU, that could be tough. I don't know, Houston, that could be, you know, you start to look at it so different with those two, two wins against you know, K-State, a team that obviously uh, didn't come to Stillwater ranked, but they played, won the Big 12 championship a year ago. You figure they're on the upswing after they had lost a non-conference game to Missouri. 
Cowboys prevailed, you know, really were in control much of that game. Then Kansas first ranked opponent for on the Cowboys schedule this year, come to town, you figure, okay, can the Cowboys duplicate the success of K-State? Yes, they can. So that it just changes the whole tenor of this season for the Cowboys. And it's kind of funny that, you know, they do have those four newbies on the schedule left. They also have the one legacy team that's lost berries, West Virginia, um, a team that, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it kind of continues this weird cowboy revenge tour. Nobody at the big 12 set this up, but a year ago, Cowboys lose badly at K state, uh, then lose a game that they really weren't in at all at Kansas end of the season, last regular season game in the rain, terrible conditions uh, to finish up. Uh, they lose to West Virginia, a game that, you know, I think just really sent a lot of Cowboy fans into uh, despair because of how bad West Virginia was a year ago. Now the Cowboys have a chance three weeks in a row, knock off all three teams. What's the what's the feeling about this game in Morgantown? I mean, Oklahoma State, they've, they've not been bad in Morgantown, Barry. Haven't lost in Morgantown since 2013, uh, 10 years ago. That's crazy. Uh, That's crazy. People in Orange have not uh, had to listen to Country Roads Take Me Home. They only sing it after victories since 20 uh, in 10 years. So, um, which in some ways is a shame because it's a dang fine song. One of my all time favorites. (laughs) However, uh, Cowboys have gone there and said, hey, go sing it somewhere else. But um, it is a uh, it's a winnable game, right? The Big 12. Below Oklahoma and Texas, at this point, it looks like it's the great unwashed. Everybody's about the same. Um, the newcomers seem to be settling at the bottom, but OSU, Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, everybody's in a big conglomeration there. Who knows? If you get victories, treasure them, prize them. Um, it, it's a nice thing because it you, you, you'll move up to standings. So, um, this is a revenge tour. I heard a couple of references to it from OSU players after the game. So they're conscious of, of what's been going on. Um, but this is a game the Cowboys can win. They've been on the road twice. They won at Arizona State, didn't play well, won. Been to Iowa State, played well, didn't win. So you never know. But this is a, this is a uh, victory that the Cowboys can get. Garrett Green is the West Virginia quarterback. He's not a great thrower. Uh, He can run around pretty good. Houston let him throw some, and he hit some passes. He beat OSU a year ago. Not really with with, uh, a great quarterback performance, but just led him to victory. So uh, it's a good, tough West Virginia team. They played over their head. They're having a nice season. But it's a game the Cowboys can go get. Yeah, no doubt about it. And frankly, West Virginia, I mean, the way that they've played, the, the Hail Mary loss to Houston notwithstanding, the way they've played, they would probably be the talk of the league if not for that loss to Houston. Uh, they've, they've, you said, played above expectations. You know, we all heard Neil Brown come to Big 12 Media Day over the summer and, you know, chastise everybody who voted them at the bottom. But after the way they played a year ago and what they had coming back, you just sort of thought, well, I mean, if there's going to be a worse team in this league, it's probably going to be West Virginia. But they have overachieved, had some nice wins in non-conference, um, you know, have sort of stepped in the void left by Texas Tech not being as good as people thought they were going to be. Some other teams not being as good as we thought they were going to be. But West Virginia, 
better than expected, but I agree, Barry. I think if Oklahoma State plays like we saw them play, the if they play that way against West Virginia, the way we saw them play against Kansas State, Kansas, I think they go to Morgantown and win. I mean, I think this is definitely a winnable game. And again, before the K-State game, I would have said, I don't know. I don't know if you can go to Morgantown and beat, beat the Mountaineers this year. But um, I would say at this point, I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win. I'm going to go 34-27. Barry, what do you think about this one? Um, I go back and forth. Um, I do like the fact that the Cowboys can run the ball now and they'll have a better throwing quarterback. That's always a good place to start. I don't think it's going to be quite as high scoring as uh, as maybe you said, uh, but I, I like the result. I'll go OSU 24-23. Hey, that's all the time we've got this week. I'll be in Morgantown on Saturday with colleague Ben Hutchins to bring you the stories of another trip to the Alleghenies, and we'll have all sorts of OSU content this week at selloutcrowd.com. You can also find uh, Jacko and me at BarryTrammell.com and Jenny-Carlson.com. And if this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. As Jacko likes to say, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.